Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you know, I, 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 You're in the ball. Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle, une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. You found the dogs. John, you found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked the young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup. Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination. It's going to be sick. Arrow on this Thursday, October the 5th. It is two minutes past 10 o'clock. Let's just move this over because I like looking at my name. There you go, Marinaro. It's on the screen. It's so nice. All right, okay. Uh, some of you are watching live on YouTube. Some of you are watching live on Facebook. And some of you are watching live on Twitter. And to all of you, I say hello. How are you? And I think we're going to have a very good time tonight. I think we're going to have a lot of fun. Uh, we're waiting for George Larac. And it looks like I've just been given the thumbs up that George is waiting in what we call our studio or our green room if you want, and uh, we'll bring him in in just a second, not before I talk to you, but of course, about Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America, driven to be different. I was in conversation with one of the owners today, Sean Girard. The other is Mike Cinquino, and uh, I say hello to Sean and to Mike and thank them for their support. These guys right over here, they are La Bit at TB. You see them? That's La Bit at TB right there. La Bit at TB. Uh, they are brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bit at TB offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bit at TB, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Playground, of course. Yes, Playground. Over 600 machines, poker tournaments, and cash games, daily promotions, unmatched customer service. Why go anywhere else? Located just over the Mercia Bridge, only minutes from downtown Montreal. It is Playground. All right, okay. Today we're gonna have a uh, we're gonna have a busy one lined up for you today. All right, because 
we have two guests today. They're both so good that, uh, you know what, I had to get them both in there tonight. And, of course, one is going to be Simo the Snake Boisvert. Uh, most people, they call him the snake. I call him Uzerpende. And, of course, he's a regular collaborator on Thursday nights. He was last year during the season. He will be again this year during the season on nights where the Montreal Canadiens play their games, especially post-game. I want George Larac to join me all the time. There he is, Big George. What's going on? It's going to be sick. It's going to be sick. to the sick podcast you're right you like that one eh? brought up by la bita tv la bita <laughs> i gotta do something for you hold on a second where is it here we go well i'm not the pillow again tomorrow i'm gonna take my vespa and i'm gonna drive to bpm sports okay you, you're gonna come with a vespa again yeah okay tony, yeah, it's a nice day tomorrow. Tell us, okay tony tell everyone when you're driving 70 kilometers with your vespa on the road how fast you're driving when you go up a hill about 35. <laughs> About 35. Can I ask you can I ask you something? Yeah. If I was riding a bike or I was walking up that hill, how fast do you think I would be going? Uh, not 35 the, kilometers an hour, I'll tell you that. I love probably, my Vespa. Probably, probably 2 kilometers. I love my Vespa so much. I'm going to bring you one of these, all right? Because this that? over here is a little tripod. I'm going to bring you this tomorrow. I'm going to give it to you as a gift, okay? okay? Because you only made a gazillion dollars when you played in the NHL, and you've <laughs> only made a gazillion with all your investments. You own like 17 companies on the side, okay? But I'm going to give you this. It's a tripod. What you do is you put your phone like this, you see? And you put it like that. It's on. And then what you're oh, going to yeah. do, you just turn oh. it like that. That's it. There we go. Oh, that's it. Oh, that's, yeah. it. that's it. That's it. Actually, my phone is on the tripod already. Ah, your phone's so. on a tripod. All right, so I just say 50 so, bucks. You... I get to keep the tripod. <laughs> Sorry, I forgot that you wanted sideways. Sorry. Uh, don't worry about it. Because uh, when, okay. when, when I do Cameo videos, it has to be up upward. That's why. So. Oh, you're on uh, Cameo, eh? Yeah, and I do a lot of videos, so that's why. Uh, oh, really? Uh, eh? So yeah, besides the have... fact that you made a gazillion dollars, you charge <laughs> like a good 100 bucks to say happy birthday to somebody. Yeah, 100, that's nothing. 100 bucks? Tony, it's like it's how, it's a, how much you charge? How much you charge? Tell me the truth. Just a hundred, a hundred. That's it. You can I see my profile. I charge a hundred bucks. Yeah, it's no big deal. I do a lot of videos though, a lot. Every yeah. every week I do a lot of videos. Oh really? Uh, yeah, good, for you, good for you. Good for you. Good for you. But Tony, for you, but Tony, I've done videos for you for free. That You've I asked know. me to do video for your friends, and I do it all the time. That because I know. You're my brother, because I love you. Oh, he, he, listen, you could try and be as nice to me all you want, but then I'm going to say so swan life. I'm in the mood there. If I get my two minutes, Tony, I'm going to. Tony, bring it. Bring hey, it. Hey, hey, did you see the way you I brought I'm it? I'm afraid of you. Hey, bring it. Hey, did you see the way I brought it today on the radio on BPM Sports? I put the whole city upside down. <laughs> hey, tell me the truth. Hey. Yeah, you did. You did. You did with that Wanyama, uh, Wanyama thing. Yeah, you did. There's nobody like me. I'm like Mike Tyson. I'm cut from a different cloth. All right, okay. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. I think okay, I think we've had a fantastic week. Uh, I'm happy with the podcast. I've really been happy with this past week. I think it's been awesome. For those who've been watching, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I have. We had Eric Engels, who I thought was uh, at his best on Monday night. Uh, we had Maxim Lapierre, who I thought was outstanding in his debut on the Sick Podcast. Uh, and, of course, last night we had Jerry Fleming. Uh, the head coach of Cloton HC, former Montreal Canadian, uh, and uh, you know, tough guy. And fortunately for him, he didn't play a lot of games with the Montreal Canadiens. But 
George, he was he was a big, strong man. But yesterday, I don't know if you caught the entire conversation, but he was talking about the pressures of not only when you're a tough guy and you make your way up from the American Hockey League to the big league, but when you're as big as he was. And he was saying, like, there's so much pressure on you because you're expected to win your fights. And there's so much pressure on you to win your fights. So, you know, uh, I'd like to get you and Coach Fleming on at the same time one day because I'm sure you guys can relate, right? You have so much in common. Uh, for the Anytime. most part, you guys did the same job, right? Yeah. Any Anytime, uh, Tony, I'd be happy to do so. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's crazy. Because... He said he's going to check in once a month, by the way. Yeah. But, you know, Tony, what's crazy is that we had the same job. But um, it, it's crazy how when you do this job well, uh, your peers give you a status. What, what in the world is that? Hold on a second. What's going on here? All right. Okay. Your peers give you a status. Talk talk to me about that. I don't know. You love, you love your team so much. It was your team for the sick podcast. No, you know what happened? You were playing. The YouTube, the YouTube kicked in because I'm, oh, I'm not on the YouTube, but there was a window open that was a YouTube and it just kicked in. Talk to me about what you just said, so, though. When you so, do this job so well okay. and your peers. Okay. So, you know, you was a fighter. I was a fighter. But the thing is, is that. Not every fighter that played in the NHL got a status. A status, what it means is that when you pierce, they put you in a certain category, mm -hmm. you know? And I never thought when I started to fight in the NHL that I was going to be known for one of the toughest guys that I ever played in the NHL. This is something that you don't know. You don't know what's going to happen, right? Well, just when, when, do... I, when, I saw you play, when I saw you fight in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, I thought you were going to be a big-time tough guy in the national yeah, hockey. But, but Tony, remember when you're fighting junior, you I was bigger than everyone, right? And in the NHL, it's men that are well. I, monsters. I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you ended up picking apart Joel Terrio. Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It's, it's junior. It's, it's junior hockey. Junior okay. in the NHL is two different steps, especially at the time that I played in the NHL, where all the major heavyweights were there. So you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you just want to. You know, do good. When you're a rookie, you just want to do good and not get killed. You know, that's what you hope for. Yeah. And the better you get at it, and then people fear you a bit more. And then the better you get at it, the more people expect from you. And then pressure comes in. And, uh, yeah, and then people are like, this is the guy to get. And, uh, yeah, it's true that it has on a, a lot, lot of pressure when you're known as one of the best because then you can't lose you have to win yeah 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 okay so uh you know we're gonna get to some of the things that uh, jerry fleming said yesterday as a matter of fact uh we have three clips that i want to play for you simo the snake boiver is going to join us in about 20 minutes i'd love to get his take on so many issues as well but um i asked jerry fleming swiss league or the american hockey league because before I knew that Fleming was the coach, I was really pushing for the HL. The fact that I know Fleming a little bit, he's a good old LaSalle boy, okay? Uh, I think he's in good hands, but um, I, I, I asked him, Swiss League or American Hockey League, which one is a stronger league? Let's hear from him. Opinion, a better league than the American Hockey League? A little bit, and, uh, you know, Max actually brought up a good point. The guys are a little bit older, a little more experienced, and I think with that... Um, just the level of play, there's a lot more poise with the puck here. But the speed and the skill, uh, you know, I'll put it up against any league. Uh, you know, obviously the NHL is the, the, the cream of the cream. But, uh, you know, this this is a good league to be in. Uh, pace, uh, the pace of play, the uh, the intent. 
And it is a physical league. Uh, you know, obviously the ice is bigger. Um, you know, you don't go to your way to make hits, but uh, when the opportunity allows itself, yeah, it's physical. Guys are big, guys are strong, and uh, the speed and the skill is, is unmatched, I think. Do you agree? Okay. The, the thing, though, that you had to put, put into perspective is it's easy to say that the Swiss League is better economically, the ice is bigger, the skill and this and that. The problem is that the players that are playing in Europe, when they come back here, they got to get used to the North American style of hockey. Correct. The American Hockey League is tough. Swiss League is easy. There's no hitting. It's just pure skill. And for the guys to come from Switzerland or from Europe to come here, they have to custom to North American hockey. They have to get used to it. Yeah. Like, and, and, and there's hitting less time reaction with the puck and it's more physical. The American Hockey League is tough. So it is tough and it's the closest thing to the NHL because yeah, I don't care how much skill there is in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. Every player that is going to come there, go, go in the NHL, they're going to hit a wall because the time that they had with the puck, they no longer have it. The, the ice that is much bigger, they no longer have it. So habits they had when they were skating with the puck is not there anymore. So they're mm-hmm. going to get accustomed to it. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's like, he's probably saying that because he's talking about Ryan Backer that is playing Switzerland or didn't playing in, in Laval. Well, I have news for you because for sure that's why he was talking about it. Mayu is going to be ahead of Ryan Backer because he'll be one year playing in the AHL, some game in Montreal too, but accustomed to that style, which he's already is because he played, you know, in, in junior, but you know, when when Backer comes in, he's still gonna need next year a year in the minors to get used to that style of play. He won't be ready to make it to Montreal Canadian from Switzerland next year. But Mayu next year is gonna be a tough six defenseman with the Montreal Canadian. I like so, that. Yeah, I'd like to add something, and I want to have your opinion on this. Can it be okay. also that the American Hockey League? There are so many other guys there, so many more players that feel they are close to the National Hockey League. So the the the, the hunger level, uh, the eye of the tiger is more so there than it would be in Switzerland because it's not to say that players playing in Switzerland won't be able to make the National Hockey League. But for the most part, a lot of them are older players whose yeah. career is already past the National Hockey League Tony, and know they're not going back or will never make it. Tony. Players that play in the AHL, and yeah. we'll go with Laval because they're talking about Montreal. Yeah. Everybody wants to be called up. Correct. They know that whoever plays the best, the best forward, is going to be the most deserving to be called up. Same thing with the D. So as much as they're all friends down there, they play to win and, and, and making the playoff, everybody is playing to be the guy that the coach says he's the one that is ready. You're competing he's against the- each other. Yes, we are because we want to be called up and we want to be the best demon. Mayu is a competitor and when he goes down there, he wants to be the best demon. So when people are watching the game, because, you know, a lot of scouts will be there. Montreal Canadian will come and see the Rocket play sometime. Martin said, we'll come and see the Rocket play sometime. They'll see Mayu playing and then I'll be like, oh, he is like, He's playing really hard. He's playing really good. Yeah. Because you know, you know, you know who's gonna be battling Mayu in Laval is Justin Barron. 
yeah. he knows that. You know, he didn't have a good camp, Baron. So he's going to be like, you know what? Um, no, I got to work harder. I want to be the first called up, not in my you. So just because of that competition in the intern, yeah. it's going to go back and forth all the time. And I'm happy he's in Jerry Fleming's hands. But, I, you know, I've always maintained from the beginning, my opinion was, I would have preferred to see Reinbacker in Laval. And, you know, even after that conversation with Jerry, I'm happy he's in Jerry's hands, but I still will. And I'm going to give you another reason why. Adam Nicholas, their head of development, he would be a hop, skip, and a jump away. And if he realized that he needed to do some extra work with Reinbacker in particular, individual specialized training, I don't know, considering that Jerry Fleming is running a hockey team, and Jerry Fleming is not the affiliate, Cloton is not the affiliate for the Montreal Canadiens, can they spend a lot of time on individual specialized programs for Reinbacker? And the, the answer is obviously not as much as Laval would. Tony, it doesn't matter who's going to be working with him in Swiss. He's playing in an Olympic-sized rink. In the NHL, we don't play Olympic-sized rink. So the habits is not the same. Yeah, He has too much room with the puck. The NHL is everything is quick. You know, every time you have the puck, there's someone on you right away. He's, you have to get used to that, you know? And, and that's why there's an adapt- adaptation to do for all these players. Yeah, yeah. And he will need a year in Laval next year when he comes back next year. He's not going to be NHL ready after one year playing Switzerland. Yeah, he's going to play a lot of minutes. He'll skate a lot. He'll probably be stronger, faster. But you know what? Nothing beats the physical. Like, the HL is tough. The HL is, some people say it's tougher than the NHL in terms of competitive, uh, competitiveness because players are so physical, they want to go up. They want to go up. The NHL is the bar. But you know what? Often you see more passion in the minors because you get players that are fighting for a spot to get, to get called back up because, you know, you don't want to die in the AHL and be a guy that is known as a guy that's mm-hmm. going to stay there. A veteran AHL player, you want to have a chance in the pro and, pro and show that you deserve to be there. But for that, every game you got to put it on the show and you got to show that you deserve to be called out. I see so many questions and so much reaction via YouTube Live, Facebook Live, and Twitter Live. And I want to let you know that one of the things I want to get into the habit of doing now is really engage with all of you who are watching live and therefore save some of your questions because probably in the last five minutes of every show, you can ask me anything and I'll answer pretty much anything. Speaking of what you just said, George, I asked Jerry Fleming, considering that Reinbacker needs to improve on a smaller ice surface and in Switzerland, you're going to be playing on a bigger ice surface. Is there anything that you can do in practice to simulate playing on smaller ice? No. Are there any drills? Let's hear what he had to say. Anything that you can actually kind of do in drills or whatever so that the rink becomes a little bit smaller for him so that he's able to work on that? Well, uh, a lot of what we do, and a lot of teams in Switzerland do it, is, uh, you know, trying to eliminate time and space. I think that's the biggest thing, uh, putting, you know, defenders under duress. Um, we do a lot of drills and breakout. I think the escapability from uh, looting that first four checker is really, really important. So I think that's the way it is in the NHL. It's a lot of chip and chase. Uh, you know, there's not much, uh, uh, you know, what do I want to say? Uh, you're trying to get pucks in behind defensemen and put pressure on them, cause turnover, 
off off that. And we do a lot of drills where you know we we put guys under pressure, you know, eliminate time and space, and make them have, make them choose the right Pick decisions with the puck. And I think uh, that's going to serve David well. Um, I think that, that the ability to elude that. Let me pick that up. Okay. Okay. First of all, Ooh, first of all, whoa, whoa, okay. whoa, whoa. Was it too much? Okay. First of all, it's a weird question that you asked him. Okay. And it's a weird way that he answered it. Okay. You ask him if there's drills that you could do in Europe so you could get accustomed to the NHL size ring, the style of play. And yeah. he says, I think it's a brilliant well, question after, and I'll tell you why. And then, and no, hold on. And he says, well, we're working on taking time away off like what kind of answer is that taking time away off like he's playing on olympic ice yeah it doesn't matter what drills that you do play small-sided games like, you, you know what i mean like, play, like no no hold on a second play small-sided games only. marty st louis does it here all the time i mean if he's playing on the north american ice rink yeah he's playing olympic ice it doesn't matter what he does in practice in games the ice is wide open. No D-man, doesn't matter what drills you do with him in Europe, when yeah. he starts playing, he's going to accelerate how he plays, thinking, because of these drills, I'm going to play quicker. So next in the NHL, I get used to play quicker. No. Whatever drills he does, a D-man adapts when he plays a game. So you could do all the little drills he can to take away time so you get used to next year. When the game is going to be back on, you'll have the puck, you have all the time in the world, and you'll do Paul Coffee coast to coast, going up and down with the ice, with the ice wide open without getting hit. I agree so with you. It doesn't work. So, Tony, it doesn't work. You cannot do drills, take away times on Olympic ice. So when the guy plays, he's going to change the way that he plays to get ready for next year. I no. agree with you to a certain degree. Let me explain, okay? And by the way, I could be wrong on this one. But I want to try and battle it out with you anyway. By, okay? by the way, I played. By the way, just so you know, mm -hmm. I played in Sweden during the lockout, Olympic yeah. ice. Mm -hmm. So I know, I know the difference. I played there for one year. I understand. And then, and then, just so you know, so you, I'll, I will listen to you. I respect that. Never, I can, but, I'll but, give but, you an opinion. But, but, but you've never played in Olympic ice and did the transition to uh, ice hockey. But I'm listening to you right now. Yeah, I ahead. understand that. But I have a lot of ice in my drink right now. So hear me out, okay? <laughs> I am. Go ahead. They play for the most part two games a week. Sometimes they have tournaments. They play three games a week. Let's put they play two and a half games per week. Okay. okay? okay. On average. Okay. They practice three to four times per week. Okay. So at the end of the season, they've had probably 55 games, but they've probably had three times more practices. Okay. So you play 55 games, but you probably have 155 practices, for example. Why, I'm just throwing wearing, numbers. Why are, you, why are you wearing shades? Because it's my look. And because <laughs> these are my Maui gyms, I love them. They're comfortable. And I think I look cool in them. You look like a little flower. Okay, that's fine. You know okay. what? Uh, I'm the little flower. He's the big flower. We're both legends in Montreal. Okay, okay now listen okay. to me. Okay. Is it possible that by having 55 games... And by having 155 practices, if your practices become kind of small-sided games where you actually take the nets and you'll go east-west instead of going 
or north south. You know what I mean, right? Is it possible that by having small-sided games, that even though when the games happen, your instincts take over and you play on the big, but you kind of get some automations. Is it at all possible? And then that's it. I won't ask anymore. Is it at all possible? Tony, I'm going to ask you a question before I answer your question, okay? Yeah. All the players that are playing in Europe right now, Mm -hmm. all of them, whether they're drafted or not, do you think one second Uh. that the coach that is there are doing practices Mm -hmm. so then the players that happens to be drafted in the NHL that plays on their team, Mm -hmm. they get them ready for next year if they ever turn pro and go play in the AHL or the NHL. Do you ever think that when they do practice, mm-hmm. do you think it goes through their mind that, oh, we should do a lot of practice, half ice. So then yeah. our player that we don't want him to go in the HL in the NHL, we want to keep him here. Yeah. But let's get him prepared as much as we can so he could do his jump there. Okay. Do you think they do a practice to get him ready? Come on, Tony. Okay. That, so the that answer a, to Tony, that. Tony, Tony, that was a dumb question. Okay, perfect. The answer to that is no. Yes, but no. there's a twist. You ready for the twist? Because yes. listen to me, I'm always, I'm always thinking a step ahead. You understand? That's why in the media, in the media, with all due respect, okay, there's everyone, okay, and I'm on the other side of the street, and I'm going, hey everyone, I, Tony, I do it. I'm over don't, here, Tony. Okay. There's one thing. Hold on, before you you, you you go with your twist, there's one thing that I will admit. And and I think it's for real. You wanted the only media that is not afraid to ask the real question. Thank you. Thank you. That I will give that to you. Thank I you. knew this when I was a player, and I knew this. I've always knew this about you. You're not afraid of give your opinion and ask the real question. That some media are afraid to lose the privilege to ask the right question because they travel with the team. So yeah. you're right for that. So go ahead. Yeah. And as we speak right now, as a matter of fact, I'm being blackballed for interviews by one sports organization in particular, but it's the story of my life with them. It's not the Montreal Canadiens, by the way. Okay. Okay. Anyway, so let's talk. So the answer to your question is, do coaches of teams in Switzerland have small-sided games, small-sided practices? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. Certain players accustomed for the National Hockey League. When When you pose it in that respect, the answer is no. But as you know, the benefit of small-sided games, small spaces, is so that guys end up thinking faster. Reaction, right? Yeah, you're, yeah, yeah. You're creating yeah, they, smarter hockey players. So look, they, I, I practice. They do before. I would rather do Laval. Tony, they do that in practice. You're right that in Europe, they they do small practices like that and stuff. So then they think faster. But then when the ice open now, it, it doesn't matter it. because it's it. so wide open. Okay. That they don't necessarily play quicker because they did this practice is because Tony, there's so much time. Tony, the four check in Switzerland is not like in the AHL because the ice is so big, you cannot trap. You can't trap, you can't hit the guy. They don't hit there because if you go hit someone in Olympic in Olympic ice, you'll take you, yourself out of the play because the ice is so big. You know how they and trap in why- Europe? Well, they all wait at the blue line. Left wing lock. Yeah, they all wait. It's, yeah. it's not the same, but yeah. Barry Smith, formerly of the Detroit Red Wings, 
Uh, I think he saw it in Sweden, the left-wing lock. And uh, basically, for those who are wondering what the left-wing lock is, is that you're, out of your three players, your right-winger and your centerman, they'll go in if they have to. They'll forecheck if they have to. And when they come back and defend, they'll probably hang out around the red line. But at the blue line, you'll have the the right D will move over far right. The left D will move over in the middle. And the left-winger will come back and basically be where, let's say, a left D would have been. So now you have two front, three back. So they, they either call it the left-wing lock or they call it the uh, the uh, the two front three back yeah. system, which Dave King picked up as well and brought to the Montreal Canadiens when he was an assistant to Alain Vigneault. They were playing the left wing lock, and if you remember, and I don't know if you remember this, but for whatever reason, I got a pretty good memory when it comes to stuff like this. The player the Montreal Canadiens used in the left wing locker, one of the players that they converted from defense to forward, and asked them specifically to do that role. Do you remember who it was? No. Zarly Zalapski. Oh, I would have never known. <laughs> hey, that's pas juste un bel face, moi, Josh. Okay, now, uh, in ending, because uh, it, time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, did you, it is. did you hear the clip of when I asked Jerry Fleming, out of all the players, NHL players, who the comparable is? Did you hear it? No, I didn't. You didn't? You don't know no. who he compared David Reinbacker to? No, put that on. Attached that sick, mon Here we go. Okay. Crystal ball, and these things are very difficult to predict. I know, um, still a young player. What kind of defenseman will the finished product end up being when he makes his way to the National Hockey League, in your opinion? Um, you know what? Uh, I coached uh, Jeff Petrie uh, in Springfield, and he's got a lot of the same attributes. He moves the puck well, he's rangy, he's got a good stick, he defends well. Uh, he moves the puck exceptionally well. Read the rush. Uh, his gap control is good. Oh. He's got, uh, you know. Stop, stop. Okay. Tony, um, it's a really good compliment that he gave to Reinbacker because if Reinbacker becomes a Jeff Petrie, wow. Because Jeff Petrie, forget the fact how it ended with the Montreal Canadian and how he didn't defend Montembeau. Jeff Petrie in his prime is a very good defenseman. 40, 50 points a year, and he could be physical. If Montreal ever hopes that he becomes a Jeff Petrie, get him out of Europe, bring him back in North America so you get accustomed to physical play. Because you know what? Jeff Petrie, even though he doesn't drop the gloves, he's physical. He could be a physical defenseman. I don't see a mean streak in Reinbacker yet. Jeff Petrie finishes his check sometimes. Sometimes it could be nasty, and he could. He, not, he understands it. But as long as Rembacker is in Europe, you'll never have this side of the game with him. So as much as I wanted Michkov to be the Canadians' pick at fifth overall, but I never thought that they would pick him because I knew that they would chicken out. I'll use the term. Yep. I'll say this. Any defenseman would be better with a mean streak, but you don't necessarily need to have one to be very effective. No, Tony, you're right. But Tony, you're right. But again, when we talk about a mean streak, Petrie doesn't have a mean streak like Jack Eye. Mean streak means it could be physical. Like he could be physical. He could play the body. You could hit him like he finishes check. Reinbacker, he said it himself. 
when he saw a fight in North America, he never saw one life before. I understand so that. The physical play, he has to get accustomed to it because he's a big guy and he has to learn to use his body. If he's only a puck-moving defenseman and he doesn't use his body, he's never going to be a Jack Petrie. Because no, if, Petrie he, if, does he works, if he works on his timing and his spacing and he takes away the gap and he works on having a very active stick, he could be a very, very, very good defenseman. Yes. But to do that, yes, and I have no doubt that he will be a good defenseman. All I'm saying is that um, he's going to have to play a year in the AHL to, to, to develop effectively to become a really good defenseman in the NHL. Because Hold he on. won't, he won't yeah. be NHL ready after a year in Switzerland, but he will be after a year in Laval. Hold on one more minute here. Just a quick shout-out to uh, sportbuffshop.com. Shop all your sports-licensed lifestyle apparel, including hoodies, caps, and T-shirts of your favorite teams from all major leagues at sportbuffshop.com. Use code SICK10 for 10% off on all of their items. I just want you to say hello to our next collaborator who's going to come in. When you're going to go out, I want you to stick around for one minute. Let's bring him in. Simo the snake Boisvert. Look at him. Like what is the Belitsa? I call him Uzarpend. He's look, he's green like a snake, too. With a green wall. He really is a snake. Look at that. The wall of the shirt and everything. Hey, um, George. Yeah. George, the last time the snake was on the sick podcast, he told me that in his opinion, Logan Mayu was an AHL defenseman. And if he was ever going to play at the National Hockey League level, he was going to be a six, best case, a seven, best case, a six, playing eight to ten minutes a game. <laughs> I'm going to give you one minute in the cage with Usarpente, with the snake. Go, go, go. Go, Man, Wow. Uh, you really, did you really say that? Yeah. Were you high? <laughs> no, I do mean it. My God. He's my revelation in camp, Logan Mayu. The way he skates with the puck. He's not afraid to take chances. He's physical. He has a mean streak in him. He's going to be a top four D-man for the, for the Canadian for a long time. Next year, he's going to make the team in the top four. Next year. Uh, Wait, you see? Know what? He was drafted 31st overall. And in my opinion, if he becomes a sixth defenseman, that's a success. Because that's usually what happens with guys who are drafted 31st overall. So I, I don't I don't think I, I'm not he seeing was drafted 31st negative. because everyone knew his story. And if his story wouldn't have been I what it was, care. he would have been drafted. I, he 15. wasn't that good. Tony wasn't that good uh, when he was playing overseas uh, was during it, the, the COVID it, season. It was it okay, he wasn't that good. And, and and guys, stop watching preseason hockey. Okay, this is not real hockey. No, no, I know it's not. He does in but you Tony, Tony, no, my turn. Snake, okay, you're right that preseason, the, fir the, the first few preseason, you can't look at it too much. Against Toronto, when Toronto had a pretty good lineup, which I know the veteran, they play up to 50%. But what you saw in him, what I saw in him, a guy that, a rookie, a guy that is not afraid to try to skate with the puck, the confidence that he has, the mean streak that he has, not be afraid of the physical play. You know that in Laval, the way he's going to be playing, He'll be the first one called up. He's going to be ahead of Reinbacker after one year. He's already ahead of Justin Barron. He'll be the first call up before Barron, as you know. And I'm telling you, next year, he will be a regular in the Montreal uh, Defenseman Corp. And he's going to buy a jersey of Mayu saying that you were wrong, Snake. 
and you will wear it proudly and say, I was wrong with Mayu. He became the top four next year. Hey, I have to admit, George Larac and I do watch preseason hockey. You're right. We watch it. <laughs> Clearly, you have not because you're still watching reruns of Bleu Nuit, Emmanuel Saint. So, you know, once you stop watching, once you stop taking Apino Le Blue there one hour before, and you stop watching Bleu Nuit, Emmanuel Saint, and you start watching what's going on in Montreal Canadiens camp, then you would know exactly what George is talking about when we're talking about Logan Mayu. Hey, Look, guys, he's, wearing, he's, wearing, he's wearing his San Jose well, well, shorts. I want, I want, no, Tony, wait. Tony, I need to listen to his, his counter argument. Yeah, give me a counter, Snake. Let's go. Let me hear it. Let the counter-argument is what I saw from this guy at age 17. What happens at age 19 in junior hockey, I don't pay attention to it. I don't care. What, I'm, what I want to say now, what I want to see now is the 20-year-old season in the AHL, which I think is crucial. And for sure. a defenseman, I would add also the 21-year-old season. For a forward, I think... One season in the AHL, and you have a pretty good idea. And for defensemen, maybe two seasons. I think after two seasons, he'll establish himself with the Habs eight to ten minutes per game. No more. No, you're crazy. Eight, ten. Do you see the way he skates with his size? Come on. He's not very good as in Zoe. I'm going to give you a chance to redeem yourself. And you know what? He's going to be exposed. Once he starts playing real hockey, not just this preseason with Austin Matthews going 20%, once he starts playing real hockey, he's going to be exposed. First of all, you guys gonna, will see it. First of all, he's going to play about eight minutes a game just on the power play because he's going to be on every power play. He's going to have the best shot on the team and he's going to play the first minute and a half of every power play. That's the first thing. Snake. I like you. As a matter Tony, of fact, listen, I love you. Tony, I, I, Tony, let me, on... I have a request. I have a request. I'd like in halfway through the season to be on with Snake to talk about the first half of the season with Mayu and Laval. Could we plan that, Tony? Yeah, let's plan it. Halfway through the season with Laval, I want to be one-on-one -on -one with Snake again. And let's talk about the first half of the season. Okay. Because I have an opinion, but he could be right. I don't think so. He's wrong. But... He does, I think he's wrong too, but you never know, right? No, no, he's wrong. Snake, my, my usual yeah, Tony, he's Tony, play 24 Tony, minutes a game Tony, in the NHL. Stop. Tony, there's one thing, though, that we have to admit, and I could admit this. To see rookies, to see players playing junior, to see development, to see talent, there's no one better than Snake. He's rarely wrong. I didn't see him play junior. So he sees the development from 17 to today. So I see what I'm seeing now. So... I do trust his judgment, so I don't think he's crazy, Tony, even though I don't think like him. So let's see halfway through the year what happened. But, Tony, there's no better judge of talent than Snake because me and you haven't seen him growing up through the years in the junior system. He has. So we have to respect his opinion. So let's have this debate halfway through the season and see who was right. Okay, we'll bring you back. Good night. Have a good one. That's Thank very you. fair, Coach. Awesome. All right. Yeah, that's very fair. You want to get rid of it because you don't want to go ahead there with him. You know, I, I I see you're wearing your San Jose Sharks colors tonight. You have the San Jose Sharks green painted wall. I will give you credit for something. Back at the draft, you were the president of the Quintin Musty fan club. 
Quinton Musty was drafted, what was he, 26th or what, what was he drafted? 26th by the San Jose Sharks? Yeah. And yesterday they signed them to his three-year entry-level contract. And they said that they are very happy with what they've seen from him at camp. You know what? You may have been right all along. Look, we'll see. I mean, I, I, I think it's normal that the guy would get this contract. Yeah. Because usually, you know, first round picks will get that entry level contract within the first year after being drafted. But, you know, it's nice for him. He gets the the, the bonus. He can buy a car, whatever. Uh, I, I do think that, you know, it's uh, he's on his way. He's on his way. They're going to send him back to junior hockey probably within the next few days. Uh, he's not playing tonight. Uh, so I think they will send him back. I think he'll have a great year in Sudbury. They have a pretty good team this year. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if he made the Sharks next year. Fantastic stuff. Hey, listen, I have to tell you, now that I think of it, that green is like just almost a, 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 a carbon copy. It's like a duplicate of your wall. And, uh, and, uh, You know, one of our uh, one of our people that are watching on, on on YouTube right now wants to know: Did you go to Benjamin Moore with that polo and say, "Give me the matching color for my wall"? No, no, you didn't. No, well, it was worth it. Was you know, it was a good question. It was a good yeah, question. It was a good that he question. Asked. Yeah, it was a good question. All right, okay. A uh, couple of things I need to ask you now. So, based on what you saw from Logan Mayu at camp, who was set down earlier in the week to the Laval Rocket. You don't really pay attention to it because for you, it's preseason. The veterans are going at 30%. It's only normal. The young kids are going a lot harder. You make nothing out of it, and you're sticking with your opinion and your analysis that Logan Mayu, at best, at the National Hockey League level, will be a sixth defenseman, eight to ten minutes a game. You're sticking yeah. with that. Yeah, I'm sticking with that until I see this year in Laval, That he's better than I think he is. I'll bet you anything. Whatever you want to bet. I, Whatever, I don't know. You, I'll, you, I'll, you make I'll, the bet. I'll, okay, so I'll bet, I'll bet that Logan Mayu plays minimum 10 years in the National Hockey League. And he'll end up playing, so you say eight to 10 minutes. And I'll say that on average, and I'm going to give you a number that I'm very comfortable with. On average, Logan Mayu will play. What number do you want me to give you? I don't know. Bit, bit, at least 15, I would say. Okay. So I'll, I'll say that, uh, well, yeah, 15. That's, that's, I'll say, uh, I'll say, um, I'll say uh, five on eight. Uh, I'll say, um, even though I know he's going to have games where he's going to play 24 minutes a game. I'll say that uh, he will average 14-plus minutes per game, 10-plus years in the National Hockey League. I'm very comfortable with that. You're very comfortable with, at best, six defensemen, eight to ten minutes a game? Yeah, six defensemen. You're on. A number six, yeah. You're on. Yeah. You're on. I got him at least second pairing. And if he does play second pair, he's going to get a lot more minutes than that, obviously, than I just told but, you. But right? you know what? There is something, and I, I'm not trying to find a caveat here. No, no, don't uh, try and find when the caveat. You say, when you say second pairing, yeah. Look, if the guy at some point, I don't know, is traded to the worst team in the NHL, 
and you know then he could he could play more minutes second pairing third pairing to me is for an above average team which which i think the habs will become at some point so that's why i don't see this guy as more than a a third pairing guy with the habs when they when they get better because they will get better i i don't think right now they have the um, uh, the 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 core to win a Stanley Cup, I, I still think they don't have this go-to guy that most Stanley Cup winning teams have, whether on defense or uh, up front. But I do think they're going to get better. And when they get better, I don't see Mayu uh, being more than a third-bearing guy. All right, okay. Uh, we look forward to that, of course. We definitely do. Um, the last time I spoke to you, I think you also called Matthias Norlinder a uh, ballerina. Yeah. And uh, you said that this guy will uh, never play in the National Hockey League. And by the way, you might be right, but he looks better than a ballerina so far, wouldn't you say? Uh, who cares about preseason hockey? Who cares about preseason hockey? That's what I say, yeah. Okay. I, I, I always tell people in September, wake me up October 10th. I'll wake you up October 10th. Okay. Yeah. Uh, So in your world, preseason hockey doesn't exist. No preseason game. So based on what you saw from Connor Bedard, you don't care. It doesn't mean Connor Bedard's legit. It's preseason. It's, I I, I just don't care. I think Connor Bedard is legit because of what I saw last year. Uh, Okay. Got it. Very, very good. I don't really care what he's done so far. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Alexi Lafreniere legit in your opinion? Well, he's an NHL player. I understand that. Yeah. He's also a guy who went first overall. And when guys go first overall, you expect them to be a, be yeah. a lot more than an NHL player. The reason why number the, one overall in, in my book at the time. NHL player. You the reason why I'm asking, you know why I'm at who, who did you have number one? Stutzler? Yeah. Yeah. You know why I'm asking, eh? Hmm? Because you, of Larry Brooks. That is correct. Larry yeah. Brooks of the New York Post. Basically, il a savonné, as they say en bon français, Alexis Lafreniere. He said that Lafreniere was given a tremendous opportunity in camp, and he looked no more than a player who's actually on a PTO right now. Look, I think Lafreniere over the first three years has had moments uh, where he showed some skill, drive, uh he, he's very good at picking up rebounds he's very good if it's he's going to be like two on one with another guy and to to like put it in but what i what i thought when he was in junior hockey what i think would not transpose well to the nhl is the fact that he's not a great skater and i don't think he's overly creative and and to me, that was my red flag for a guy who was supposedly a future superstar and a consensus number one pick. If you remember Tony, he was really, really the consensus pick. Yeah. And uh, there was no way, I, I, if, if I argued with people about Stutzla, I was being called, you know, a nut. Well, I mean, uh, you know, when, 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 when a good she knew... When a gut she knew is the consensus number one pick, and here you are, Simo the Snake Boivard, Usarpent, in the province of Quebec, and you go out and you say that, in your opinion, that player from the province of Quebec should not be number one in the draft, and you yeah. end up saying 
that, uh, you know, a hockey player from Germany should be instead, yeah. uh, you know, uh, people are going to take you to task. Now, I'll tell you this. Tim Stutzla, three years of the National Hockey League, 29 points in 53 games, second season, 58 points in 79 games, third season, 90 points in 78 games. Simo the Snake Boivad on today, Thursday, October 5th, it is 1048 Eastern Standard Time. I say to you that everyone who doubted you the year of Alexi Lafreniere's draft year, which was the 2020 draft in which he went first overall, Stutzla went third overall, and you said that Stutzla should be number one, you, my friend, were right. Yeah, and I think teams at the draft table, they, they, they don't have guts. They just follow consensus. I remember when Jeff Gordon won the, the lottery and uh, he was being interviewed and he was smiling. And I was thinking... Uh, is that Bobrov that made that Lafreniere pick, by the way? Is that Bobrov that made that pick? Is it Nick Bobrov who made that pick? Uh, look, uh, what, I would, what I would have liked to see that evening, hmm. instead of that smile on hmm. his face... Mm-hmm. was more like the face of a guy who's going to be debating it with his team and not just say, oh, we won the lottery. We got Lafreniere. Why? Why didn't they debate it? What did Lafreniere do in junior hockey that was so exceptional? How do you know they didn't debate it? What do you, what do you have, hitting cameras in people's rooms or what? Look, you know when there's a consensus player I mean, uh, even I was reading uh, articles in The Athletic afterwards and Gordon was being interviewed and he always stopped short of mentioning Lafreniere, but you knew he was talking about him. You know, there was no way they were not going to take Lafreniere. The the Kings debated the number two pick, I'm pretty sure. I were the Kings owner. I would say, who's the clown who didn't take Stutzler? I well, can forgive the Rangers for this, okay? Because hockey yeah. is a very conservative world. They just follow trends. But number two pick, mm-hmm. there was no way that the Kings should have passed on Stutzler. They were drafting a six foot five horse. They looked at him. They said six foot five I like centerman. I like I like Byfield. I like yeah. Byfield. But to me, Stutzler was going to be the guy that he is today. Stutz, anyway. By, Byfield doesn't have Stutzler's hands. He doesn't have his stick handling. He no. doesn't have his skating. He doesn't have his creativity. No. They went with the big horse down the middle. That's yeah. it. And that's why if I were the King's owner or if I were uh, Luc Rabita, you know, that, uh, you know, <laughs> all the time when he's interviewed, mm-hmm. I, w- I, would, I would say, who picked Stooch, uh, Byfield? And the guy raises his hand and I, and I would say, you're out. You're out. That's it. You're out. That's Salut it. Because this is a difference between the Kings being a playoff team and be, the Kings being a, a, a Stanley Cup contender. And that's what I would tell Rob Blake, Rabitai, and all these guys. And I would I would fire all these idiots, honestly. You're firing everybody. You. Yeah. Because to me, that's, like I say, I can forgive the Rangers. Mm. But I, I could not forgive the Kings for passing on Stutzler. Okay. I got it. All right. Okay. Um, 
who do you think has been the revelation of the Canadians draft? Uh, the, the revelation of the Canadians camp, pardon me. I don't know. I don't watch preseason. Games. You don't watch preseason. You don't. Yeah, care. and I don't care. Which is it is? Caden Primo. Okay, Caden Primo. Would you, would you protect Caden Primo? Would you protect Caden Primo? Would you start the season in Montreal with three goalies? No. And no, at that point, no. risk putting Yulonen on waivers, or would you put Caden Primo on waivers and keep Yulonen here? Okay. Let me answer like this, okay? I hear fans. Some are afraid that Primo's going to be taken uh, on the waiver wire by some other team. I think he will. And they're all worried, you know. They might be losing Carey Price's uh, uh, successor. Well, I don't he think he's going to be Carey Price's successor, but I, I well, I, that, I that's what they were saying. For years. Look, well, my take on it: chances are, a guy who's drafted 199th is not going to end up being Carey Price, who was drafted. Uh, you remember the comments two, three years ago what, okay. when he was at Northeastern and he had these these amazing statistics? 195 you know, goals uh, against average. Exactly. 936 now, percentage. My take on Primo mm. is that you put him on waivers if, if, and that's a mm. big if, someone claims him, mm. who cares? And if someone, if he's not being claimed, go to Laval and uh, just, you know, we need someone in the, the, the goalie jersey. This guy is new future in the NHL. So let's forget about Primo. So My God, you give up out, on everybody. You, I, I, Hopefully you didn't give up on yourself. Tony, I hope you have confidence in yourself. Tony, yeah, I do. I do a lot. Good for you. Good for you. Yeah, good but what you. I'm saying, Tony, is that most draft picks uh -huh. don't pan out. And I love watching the draft. I love scouting players. I I, I spend countless hours mm -hmm. watching players who are not going to make it. Do you, do you understand? So I have nothing against the players. It's just the way it is. Year in, year out, there are 50 players who are going to have a career in the NHL. Mm -hmm. 50. That's not even two per team. Can, uh, when you talk to all these draft analysts... And, and they're all gaga over the Canadians' prospects saying, oh, at least 15 to 20 guys in their system are, are probably going to make it to the NHL. No, they're not. And one by one, they don't make it. And then radio silence. They mm -hmm. move on to the next, you know, the next prospect, the next shiny new penny. Every year, Tony, every year. I'm well, just being realistic. I'm just being realistic. I'm trying to be realistic, too. I mean, Aiden Hill was not better than Caden Primo at the same age. They're the same. And Aiden Hill okay, ended up winning. You're going to give me one exception. Yeah, you're going to give me one exception yeah. just to say don't give up on Primo. Okay. Look, like I say, you put him on, on waivers. If someone picks him up, they pick him up. If they don't pick him up, he goes to Laval. And at some point, you know, you renew his contract. You renew his contract until you get sick of it. And he goes uh, to play in... Uh, you know, uh, he becomes a career HLer, or he goes to okay. play in Europe, or he just goes uh, to work for his father's business, whatever. It moves it to an his father's business. Yeah. Uh, Maxim Lapierre joined yeah. me on the Sick Podcast a couple of days ago on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. He's going to be a regular collaborator, by the way, when on nights when the Montreal Canadiens have games. So he'll be Tuesday post game. He has an opinion. His opinion is he wants to see Raphael RV Pinard play right wing with Suzuki and Caulfield. His reasoning is that RV Pinard will be the hardest working player on that line. His reasoning is that RV Pinard will bring a lot of energy to that line 
and his reasoning is that it'll balance other lines. And his reasoning is, is that RV Pinard, in his opinion, will be what Alex Burroughs was for the Sedin twins, what Pascal Dupuis was on Sidney Crosby's line. To that, you say what exactly? What's your opinion? I, I, I think it's worth trying because obviously the, the, the Habs are not going to the Cup this year. My only concern about this is that although Arvi Pinar is very, very hardworking, uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, especially Caulfield, are not big guys. So it makes for a, a kind of a smallish line, doesn't well, it? A very, very small line. You're right yeah, about that. I mean, you're not, you're not going to win the Cup in, uh, in uh, I don't know, where, where, where are they going to be playing here? But... Uh... The National Hockey League list, and Nick Bonham, yeah, that's my concern. So the idea of you know matching him with two uh, talented guys, and he's going to be you know like uh, they do in Edmonton, and they used to do in Toronto with Zach Hyman. Mm -hmm. Zach Hyman is very very hardworking, and he always played with Matthews. Now he plays with McDavid. Yeah. So the idea the, the idea is very good. My only concern is that the fact that that line would be very very uh, small. I no. say this, Monaghan at home, Anderson on the road. You mean Arvi Pinar at home or Monaghan? No, Monaghan to play with Caulfield and Suzuki at home because okay. I think they can learn a lot from Monaghan. Yeah. Also, I think Monaghan can tear it up. He is the player that throughout his career had one season where he put up more points than any other player in the Montreal Canadiens lineup. If he can get on a little bit of a roll, and last year before the injury, he had 17 points in 25 games, and Monaghan could pick up a lot of points before the trade deadline. Then they end up trading him before the deadline. Who knows? You probably end up getting a number one pick, even after you already got a number one pick initially when you picked him up. So now he's going to translate into two number one picks. I put Sean Monaghan at home with Suzuki and Caulfield, and when they play on the road and you don't have the last line change and you're going to go up against big defensemen, big players, they might try and intimidate you. At that point, I put Josh Anderson next to Suzuki and Caulfield. To that, you say what? I think it's worth it because you you want to showcase Monaghan as much as possible. Uh, he, he has pedigree. He's also been quite uh, injured quite a bit, but maybe as a rental player, he could be interesting. I think that was the goal last year. Hmm. He, he began the season very well. Then he got injured again. Yeah. So why not try the same... Um, uh, idea this year. Yeah, I I, I think it's fine. I, I agree with you. Montreal Canadiens finished 28th in the standings of 32 teams last year. Where are they finishing this year? 28, 32. The... I'm asking I, where they're going to finish. I'm not asking maybe... you for 649 numbers here. He's, he's no, no. I'm, I'm just, look, it's this, this not very good with that kind of prediction, but I would say, I don't know, 25th, 26th. 25th, 26th? Yeah. Wow, that's not, like that. that's not much improvement, eh? It's not much improvement, but look, I, I, Kent Hughes is not doing much to improve the team, and, and, and he's doing it on purpose, or not doing it on purpose, if you, you see my point. I, I, I think this is another year where the Habs want to get a high draft pick, and they feel that the youngsters are not ready to contribute that much. So they're just plugging holes and they're managing uh, uh, the cap. They're accumulating assets, you know, like they did yeah. with Tanner Pearson and uh, everything. Yeah. I think this is another year like this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I would say 25th, 26th, because there could be organically, there could be some kind of improvement, but they're still not very strong on defense. So, yeah. Well, look, I say this. I say that one of the things that we have not talked about is that 
all the young players, and there's a lot of players on this team that are age 25 or younger, they're all going to be one year older, and they're all going to be better. That's one thing that we need to consider. Mm-hmm. I think Jake Allen um, is due for a bounce-back season. I think Montembeau has showed over the past couple of years that his progression is still growing, and he's getting better. Marty St. Louis is going to be better. This staff is going to be better. Caden Gooley is going to be better. Mike Mathis. And you know what? This is a team that in the last couple of years averaged about 700 to 750 games, man games lost per season. About 1,500 man games lost in the last two years. They set an NHL record for back-to-back. They relieve some people on their medical team of their duties and on their sports science team and their strength and conditioning coach and their athletic therapist. They brought in a couple. The new director is the director who used to be with the New York Rangers for over 25 years, who had probably the best track record in the National Hockey League in terms of man games lost for a very, very long time. And if the Montreal Canadiens added a win and a half per month last year, they would have been very close to making the playoffs. Um, so I say this, I say the Canadians finished 28th last year out of 32. Mm-hmm. I think the Canadians are going to jump up probably about, um, six spots, seven spots. So you don't see them necessarily having a top 10 pick again. No. Could be more like the 11th or 12th. I think so. I don't think. Maybe, maybe you're going to be right. I'm, I don't I'm think. I don't think it. they drop. I don't think they pick top ten, or at least uh, no. I don't think so. But uh, you know, I've always been, I've been of the opinion. I know I'm in the minority here, but if you're not going to win the Stanley Cup, well, then you just might as well make the playoffs and not be as good as you can be. Now, I know that someone's going to come out with the argument that you have to make the playoffs because you have to have a winning mentality, and players need to know how to lose before they can learn how to win. And the experience that they gain in the playoffs is very, very valuable, and all that stuff. But you know what? I'm all for the rebuild. And, I, you know, the years that the Canadians have been rebuilding, let's be honest, they have not been the two best drafts in the world. And if you want to end the rebuild, it's only because some of the players they've drafted in the past or acquired via trade. So drafted Cole Caulfield, drafted Caden Gooley, acquired via trade. Uh, Mike Matheson acquired via trade. Nick Suzuki acquired via trade. Um uh, Kirby Doc acquired via trade. Sean Monahan acquired via trade. Alex Newhook. Um, if you add, they're going to have to all be really, really amazing because the past two draft years, I'm not convinced that the Montreal Canadiens ended up drafting the best two players that they could have where they drafted them. Only time will tell, though. Only time. Yeah, well, uh, I, I think uh, although I like uh, uh, Ryan Bacher, I have to say, and I said it on your show last summer, they. they they passed on a possible 40 to 50 goal score. Have you seen Michkov in the last eight games with Sochi has been absolutely today. He was yeah. a magician where they couldn't get the puck off of him. Yeah. And I watch all his shifts. I don't just watch the highlights. Oh, really? I watch yeah. the shifts from the last four games today. Huh. Okay. And I have to say that he's very involved. Uh, most of the time, I would say 80% of the time he's very involved. Huh. And he, he 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 works hard. He 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 doesn't. Uh, huh. he, he's always looking to to make a, a, a to you know give the puck to a teammate. Yeah, it's not just a shoot 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 mentality. Huh. He shoots when it's time. He makes a pass when it's time to make a pass. <clears throat> and look, I I really really think that 
it's uh i i think fans in a few years might be a, a little bit mad e even if ryan bacher is good i think they're going to be mad we're going to see when they see mitchkov lighted up with cutter gautier as his centerman in philadelphia he's amazing eh mitchkov's yeah. amazing eh tom he's amazing eh he is amazing he's amazing look they This just guy. they just like you said they chickened out They chicken that as a supposedly, you know, character issues, whatever you call it. Look, the, the, the kid's 18. Okay. So uh, I, I think it was a mistake. But the Canadians, they're, I don't know, they're a conservative organization. Benson's and, been uh, unbelievable. Benson was unbelievable in camp, too, by the way. Yeah, that's what I heard. Uh, I, I, I like Benson, but again, uh, small. It's, yeah, he's small. Uh, Michka's not big either. Buffalo has a lot of small forwards, small skill forwards. At some point, I think they're going to have to sort it out because they're not going to have room for for uh, all these guys. Mm -hmm. And but the Sabers, I think, um, very soon will take a step forward. And because right now they're probably the most exciting team to watch in the yeah. NHL because they're they're quite poor defensively. Yeah, they're very very strong on offense. So if you want to see a good five four game, the Sabers are uh, are the team to watch. Hey, thanks for doing this, my friend. You are Simo the Snake Boavad, but to me, you are Userpent. <laughs> we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Tony. There you have it. All right, Simo the Snake Boavad. Ah, what a guy, what a guy, what a guy. Hey, I uh, want to talk to you, of course, uh, about uh, Sammy, if we can. Uh, there's uh, there's um, a big fundraiser going on, right? Big V Live Productions. Uh, in association with Ne Qualité, they're happy to present the wise guys of comedy on October 7th at 8 p.m. at Salle des Ilets, Collège Marie-Victorin. Tickets can be purchased online at bigvliveproductions.ca. And I'll also let you know that uh, Vincent Soumarin, Montreal North, is going to be there, and he's going to be serving up a storm, as a matter of fact. So you can check that out. Uh, and uh, have we given away all our tickets? I don't know if we have or we haven't, but uh, if so, Um, why don't you comment sick S I C K S I C K? And if Sammy's given them out, he's given them out. And if he hasn't given them out yet, he'll find someone to give them out to. Okay, Sammy, can we bring up a couple of questions? Because I mentioned earlier on in the show that I want to get into the habit of start answering some questions uh from everyone who's watching, not everyone, but people who are watching via YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or uh or Twitter Live. And I want to get into that habit of ask me anything. Can we do that? Yes, no. Who's the elite forward prospect that Montreal have? I think the most talented prospect they have at forward is Joshua Roy and Sean Farrell. They have different qualities. I don't think neither is elite. Next. Armand Grual. Is Kovacevic the best defenseman outside of Matheson? No. Uh, on some nights he will be, and on some nights it'll be David Savard, and on some nights it'll be Caden Gooley. I don't think he is, but the advantage that he has is that if he doesn't play on the top pairing and he ends up paying, let's say, on a second or a third, at that point he's not going up against the best players on the other team, and he can end up looking better than a David Savard, but it doesn't necessarily mean he's better. Let's go. 
Sammy, bring him up. I got to go to the bathroom, man. Giovanni Giovaniti, do you think Doc overtakes Suzuki for number one in the near future? I think he's got the, the physical package for a coach to look at him and say, you know what, this guy's my number one centerman. But there's two things that I think we need to consider. One is playing a 200-foot game. Coaches love to play centermen who love to play a 200-foot game more than a centerman who doesn't play a 200-foot game as well. Suzuki plays a better 200-foot game. Also, in terms of point production, Suzuki, his entire career going back to the OHL, has put up bigger numbers than Doc. But no, it wouldn't surprise me. But no, I wouldn't bet on it either. And I wouldn't bet against it. But I'm still going to say, if you're looking at it from an analytical point of view and maybe an advanced stats, those favor Suzuki. Next. JK Alday. How do you feel about Jordan Harris this year? Is he going to be a mainstay for years to come? I watched him play one game where he was very good. I watched him play other games where I think he was just average. And he's going to need to be better than average because the competition on the left side of defense is going to be absolutely unbelievable. And I wouldn't be surprised if at one point he will be expendable. Next. Rolls Christopher Francois. Tony, what's your review of Martin Saint-Louis and his job during the preseason? Uh, Saint-Louis is growing. He's learning. And the job that he's doing during the preseason doesn't really matter. I really take it with a grain of salt. Um, a couple of weeks ago, everyone was freaking out because the Montreal Canadiens had most of their veterans. They played Toronto, and they lost, and everyone was going nuts. And then the other night, Toronto had most of their veterans, and their lineup on paper was better than Montreal's, and Montreal came back down 4-2 and ended up winning the game by a score of 5-4 to in overtime. I don't really judge on what I see in preseason. What I do judge is on his communication skills, on his ability to lead, on on his um, his concepts, um, on on his vision, his methodologies, the way he sees the game, the way he, he explains the game, the way he portrays the game, the way he wants the game to be played. I think Marty St. Louis is the best possible coach the Montreal Canadiens can have in this particular situation that they're in at this present time. Next. Benoit Beauchamp, do you think there will be a big transaction and a superstar will be with the Habs if we are awful this year? No. Next. Neil Mack, will Jack I and Reese fight opening night? My bet is yes. Next. Tony Prigionero. Tony, do you believe Gallagher will be bought off in 2024? I think this season, sadly, will be his last in Montreal. It won't end well. Uh... I don't think he'll be bought out. I don't know why. I just don't. Next. But it's all downhill from here. Adam Lancaster, does Rafael R.V. Pinard score 30 goals in one season with the Habs in the next three to four years? I'm going to bet on no. Next. 30 goals, a lot of goals in the National Hockey League. Drum Dude 74, what line do you put Slaff on? Uh, Either the second or the third. I don't want him on the fourth because then he's going to be hitting everything that moves and he's going to be hit. And putting him on the first, I don't think he's ready for prime time just yet. Some games on second, some games on third. And that's it for me. 
It's 11, 11 p.m., and I think on this note, we can call it a night. We usually go about an hour, and tonight we went 11 minutes overtime. I want to thank all of you for watching. I want to thank all of you for listening. I want to thank you all on YouTube Live, on Facebook Live, and on Twitter Live. I want to thank George Larac, who joined us in the first 30 minutes of the show, and Simo the Snake Boivard, who serpent in the last 30 minutes of the show. For Agnello, Sammy, and Juliana and Master Control, what a week. Eric Engels, Maxim Lapierre, Jerry Fleming, George Larac, Usar Pent, and Marinaro. And don't forget, be true to yourself. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinaro on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La Vida TV. Embrace your true nature. And Playground, your premier gaming destination.